Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by CEO and founder of Trickus, Nanan Zarich. And we'll be just talking about pen testing, bug bounty hacking, and automating your security workflows. Nanan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for so much for having me here. Awesome. Yeah, so I first came across Trickus when I was at InfoBib's Shift Conference uh, last September. I was there speaking and, and you guys had a booth there. And I had a very nice conversation with your head of operations, Nemanja. And I really liked the backstory of the company and what you were trying to do. So it's great to have you on the show. But let's start with some basics. Who are you? You know, What's your sort of ac- educational background, work history, and how did you end up where you are today? Mm-hmm. So my ed- educational background is basically the time I drop off from, from faculty so i don't have that kind of official uh, education but like uh, that, that was because like i got pulled in my fac- faculty in my college to to work in terms of like that was more interesting than than uh, organizational sciences i studied so i initially started working in various outsource com- cybersecurity companies as a security engineer where we had a lot of cybersecurity projects where we did a pen testing for the clients and prior to, to Trickest, I worked in a biotech company, which is a creating a platform with a workflow-like approach, uh, where you create the workflows to analyze biomedical data. They, that data is usually DNA, and you, users on the, on the platform created those workflows to derive new medicine from it. So that was the first connection and the first spark in like thinking about the Trickest and, and uh, how that workflow approach could be used in, in offensive cybersecurity. Yeah. So before you started Atricus, you were, uh, you know, you worked as a penetration tester and bug bounty hacker. So I, which, you know, I think sounds, you know, pretty cool. Uh, it's a pretty cool, good job. But, you know, for those that are listening that are perhaps unfamiliar with those concepts, what is pen testing and bug bounty ha- hacking? Basically, the, those are have the same goal, which is finding a weakness inside of the company's infrastructure in short. Uh, by infrastructure, I mean everything that is he- helping that operation, that or- organization operate, like from people, equipment, buildings, servers, network, root- routers, like everything. And the difference is that uh, the difference between bug bounty hunting and pen testing is in approach. So bug bounty hunters' approach is more creative, uh, but also more frustrating than pen testing. So I will dive deep dive deeper into those two. So bug bounty hunters are uh, using their cre- creativity in the process of finding weaknesses. And those uh, companies that are targeting are usually like for- Fortune 500 companies, where they firstly need to learn about the company, check what products and features uh, they have, dive into their processes, and follow their infrastructure as it e- evolves. And that frustration comes from the knowing that you might be not, not the first one that, that's got the vulnerability. And also, the, there is a probability that you, you will not find any bugs, hence don't get any reward, like in terms of money or swag. So it's kind of pretty difficult psychologically to do that, uh, to do that job. Uh, and the pen testing is like pen testing project or pen testing service is more strict and organized. Initially, you usually know what systems are you targeting, what your targets are, what is the goal of the test, uh, how much you will earn from the test, and sometimes even companies give you the source codes, so you analyze it and find vulnerabilities. So when you're doing the pen testing, there is not many undefined variables like you do in bug bounty. In general, 
Like when you're a cybersecurity engineer, you can do three types of work. You can work, work in a cybersecurity company, uh, which is doing the pen test. You can do the bug bounty hunting, even full time. So sometimes uh, uh, people get more money and, and more, uh, more bigger salary than working in, in some like regular uh, corporations or companies in general. And you can work in a red team or threat intelligence team or any kind of similar security team inside of the organization you're working for. So with the bug bounty hunting is if you, you know, as an independent, you know, target some sort of, you know, Fortune 500 company, is the Fortune 500 company knowledgeable that you're targeting them? Or are you doing that essentially on your own with the idea that if you f- discover a vulnerability, you're going to inform them and essentially expect that they'll be happy that you inform them. So they'll give you some sort of compensation in exchange. Mm-hmm. So firstly, you, sh- you should not target the companies which don't have bug bounty programs. That's ca- kind of illegal, even though like in the last couple of years, companies got uh, more more uh, open to the bug bounty platforms and the cybersecurity researchers sub- submitting the issues. So usually when you want to start, you go to the platforms which provide that kind of services and that service is basically, basically connection between the company and the individual researcher. There is a couple of them and some of them are HackerOne, BugCrowd, Integrity, uh, etc. And basically when you, when you jump on, on their platform, you can see the profile or program or bug bounty program for a specific company and then you can see what you can do or or what are, what the rules are basically and that's called responsible disclosure so uh, for example some company says we have these products these domains these ip addresses these are the vulnerabilities we want to we want to uh, be found and the other ones are not in the scope basically so so you have the scope of the company you're targeting and you have also some kind of the tables based on the severity of vulnerability you will fi- find how much money you will get right yeah i mean that makes sense and obviously you don't want to be just randomly targeting companies uh <laughs> and, uh, and, and and trying to find their vulnerabilities without them knowing that you're doing those things so you know from your experience as you know pen tester bounty hunter and maybe even your experience at trickus what are some of the common mistakes that companies make that allow essentially a hacker to penetrate their security Basically, the, the companies are doing the most natural thing they can do is to sh- that's the sh- to ship f- uh, features fast. So that kind of shipping f- features fa- fast opens the doors uh, to the vulnerabilities that have been checked. And uh, I think that the the continuous and automated security plays a really big role, uh, which which is helping companies ship like they already do, but more secure. Uh, infrastructure and env- environment. So, so I think that the main point is like, like they're not doing like a lot of stuff wrong, just that they don't have integrated uh, au- automatic offensive cybersecurity in, uh, in, into their processes, which we could see, uh, especially with the bug bounty platforms, because like each each one, each time a company delivers some new feature they're sending us like a private emails to say uh, there is a big scope this feature ha- has been released can you check it out and so forth so so there are some kind of advancements there but i think automation is something that is lacking uh, the most 
And I guess, like, how should companies be thinking about protecting themselves and their customer data to prevent, you know, attacks? Is it really a, a matter of putting in these sort of automations that you're talking about, or in what sort of specific automations should they be uh, leveraging to to hopefully protect themselves from a potential mm -hmm. attack? Yes, as I mentioned, the focus should be on constantly attacking yourself, uh, assessing mm -hmm. what's wrong, what could be better, what not, and then you can drive better the, the decisions in your development cycle as a company. Of course, education also plays an important role in these environments where every employee sh uh, should, from every level, of course, sh should need to have some level of security no knowledge. Uh, from the developer's per perspective, they could easily forget to add a particular validation inside of the code, which can lead to, to serious vulnerabilities. That is, that is the reason why you should always test and check if something is vulnerable. Additional, additionally, like developers would never know to write a perfect code uh, and make code without the vulnerabilities because it's, it's just not possible. And if they did, then we would not have this podcast and trickers would not exist. And basically the hackers and bug bounty hunters would be not, not needed. So that's some kind of uh, a connection between the, the love and hate relation, relationship between the, the developers and the bug bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, on, in, in the case, you know, people can't, they're not going to write perfect code. Mistakes happen. It's really, you know, not necessarily an intentional thing. It just oversights happen. It's a lot to try to understand and digest while you're also trying to ship code for features that are going to, you know, essentially deliver higher, you know, more ROI or, you know, better customer experience. So, from, um, you know, your experience either as a, as a pen tester or bug bounty hunter, when you're trying to test the vulnerabilities of the system and try to find where these types of you know mistakes have been made, what are you like? Where do you start with that process? Like, what are the types of things that you're kind of checking to see? Like, oh, did you know maybe that maybe the, it's set up this way and that will allow me to you know that'll be a sort of weakness in the system. Mm -hmm. So that comes from the experience. Basically, like hackers are like jack of all trades, master of none. So they mm -hmm. know each technology in particular, they know each vulnerability in particular, some better, some not. So basically, when you like initially start, you need to find about what is the infrastructure for a, for a specific company that uh, that means like all of their web servers, like IP addresses, host names, all of that technical stuff. And then when you find those, you, you dive deeper into their products, their processes, how they're working, what are the employees like you you are looking at the company like like you're the most notorious hacker there is you're trying to think like like the most notorious hacker so basically when you dive deeper you find about some some sort of mechanisms there and then you try uh, everything to to make them not working properly so basically uh, it 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 could be even that you just stop it or you find some some particular vulnerability and uh, ap apart from that, you go, you, you're going like deeper into the into their cycle, and then like every day, every month, or, or, or whenever you have time, check if the new stuff is out. Because like uh, whenever uh, like the, the new feature is, is being push pushed to the production for any kind of product, there is a big chance there is a vulnerability there. So so that 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 is the targets that you wanna that you wanna see. When you're when you're work, working in a bug bounty, like companies which have a, like a big infrastructure, but also have a fast development cycle where you can find more vulnerabilities and get more cash as a bug bounty hunter. 
Yeah, so it seems like you need a pretty, like you mentioned, be a million miles wide, inch deep on one of those things. So big breadth of understanding of different technologies, different sort of architectural approaches, software development life cycle. Plus, being able to deep dive and sort of do the background research to really understand like how a company is operating before you can even begin to think about, you know, what are the potential exploits for that business? Yeah. So you are, as we mentioned, the CEO and founder of Trickus. You know, what exactly is Trickus? Uh, Trickus is a platform for automated offensive cybersecurity. The core of the platform is the editor, uh, where we integrated the cybersecurity community knowledge, which you have it on, t- on hand. Those are the tools that are being used by the offensive cybersecurity, and you can use them as a building blocks to create uh, custom workflow automations. So this idea of, you know, essentially automating security workflows and this sort of offensive approach to cybersecurity, is this something new? And, you know, if so, like, how is it traditionally done? And I guess, like, how does Trickus improve on that traditional model? Basically, like, traditionally engineers, like, currently, uh, not, not like really traditionally, currently engineers are executing those tools in terminal. So... Uh, basically, they they install all of them uh, to the to their own uh, like infrastructure, and they are in variety of programming languages. So it's getting hard for the newcomers to even know how to install those tools because some of them are in Python, Go, C, or whichever lang- language you you can imagine. I mean, that's an open source community, so you can imagine how much of different language there is, and. So when you when you actually install those tools, they have the input parameters like th- those are common line tools with the input parameters. So each tool is different. So those parameters could range from one to one hundred, and it makes even more complicated to create the uh, to create the flow where the output of one tool is an input to another, especially as you're executing them in terminal. So it's kind of like a, a messy Chrome a browser with a bunch of tabs. So, so you execute one tool in one tab, wait for it, then the execute second with the input uh, from the first and so forth. So that's that's a pretty tricky. And also the infrastructure where you're executing. So if you're in some whatever restaurant or a cafe with a, with a, with a slow Wi-Fi, those tools will be so slow. So you need a like a big bandwidth to cover all of those kind of network requirements those tools have. So... The idea uh, for Trickest is that uh, we solve all of these issues and you focus on the creativity and basically just drag and drop the tools. Don't worry about the installation of the tools. Don't worry about the parameters. Don't worry about the external infrastructure. Just think about the things you want to build and build it like almost immediately if you, of course, know how to use the the platform. Everything is managed by us and we're solving all of the, uh, the issues. So are these different tools essentially running within the cloud infrastructure of Trickus? So that way the person has to avoid, you know, downloading, installing, and then because they're kind of running it from their local machine. Yes, yes. And also when you're executing those tools, you need to define the output. Like usually there's a file. So you say output tool1.txt or whatever when you're executing it. So it is also could become a really messy based from my experience. So for those, we connected basically those tools, those building blocks where you build the workflow with the output. So you don't need to worry about the, the structuring of the data because that data is, is inside of the work, workflow. Right. And then I guess what kind of efficiency gain is someone getting with this approach versus you know doing this stuff sort of manually and running it on their local machine? 
it's not like we don't have like uh, official efficiency but mm-hmm. basically if i i think if i if i speak to some to some some guy which is kind of knowledgeable in in bounty hunting and know some scripting languages uh and we have some projects where where we should create the same automation him with the scripting me with the workflow i think i could make it like uh, in like i mean like users uh which know how to use the platform could like make it in, in like three minutes wherever that uh particular person uh with the script scripting language could make it in like day two three even three i guess so it's kind of like based on how complex the, that workflow is but you can see from our so- social media like we we publish some of the videos how the workflows are built so we can create a pretty like uh, workflow with like 10 tools uh, in like two minutes so it's kind of like pretty pretty easy when you know how how to build a workflow of course yeah and i guess like once you have the workflow there too you can it's probably easy to to modify update and also the rerun in a consistent way versus trying to do this stuff where you're you know maybe you're trying to get five different tools locally to talk to each other you know mm-hmm. human error can happen and uh, you might forget how you set something up uh because it's yeah. been a month or something like that yes so what are some of the common use cases that people are using uh, the Trickus platform for? Mm-hmm. So c- common use cases are like from a bug bounty pr- pers- perspective, that's called recon, uh, mm-hmm. which is a finding about the, the infrastructure. And the other ones are for the vulnerability scanning. So basically when you have the initial, uh, the initial data, you do the vulnerability scanning, meaning that you fast the application, you screenshot it, you find like execute the tools which are finding all of the common vulnerabilities you can imagine like SQL injection, cross-site scripting, local file inclusion, etc. And uh, you can also create like uh, network scanners uh, and, and exploit the, the network interfaces. Additionally, we have also the container scanning, so you can also do that. Uh, so it uh, basically do, those categories we have, which are solving those kind of use cases are based on the tools we integrate. So if a tool is covering a specific process and you have a bunch of tools for a bunch of specific processes, you can interconnect them even with, through the different categories of the tools and create a workflow which is, which is solving your particular use case. And who's the typical user for this? Is this generally someone who's already been working as a pen tester, bug bounty hunter, or maybe a security professional in an organization wanting to essentially automate the testing for their security? Mm-hmm. So, so basically, like sh- the short answer is both because uh, we are in the f- offensive cybersecurity. We mentioned bug bounty hunters as they are uh, as they are using the platform for their own bug bounty purposes. So basically, we have like a two-sided market. One is the individuals, like cybersecurity researchers, bug bounty hunters, or engineers, which are doing it that for fun, for bug bounty hunting, or just for research about some particular use case, uh, but also. Uh, we have like uh, the the enterprise side, side of the things where employees inside of a red team or threat intelligence team are using the workflows to to create a, a solution for a specific use case uh, they have. And then, do you think that you know a tool like this essentially helps lower the barrier to entry for people that want to go into this field? You know, it's an abstraction layer from having to necessarily know all the ins and outs of all these different sort of underlying tools that you're. Comp- putting into a workflow. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and we think that's like the, one of the main points uh, about the platform is that basically everything is uh, is uh, visualized. So like our traditional scanners, traditional products 
uh, are black box, meaning that everything is happening in the inside. You just change the inputs and see the dashboards. But basically, with the workflow, you can actually see the, see the method, methodology of a par particular user, which could open more doors uh, for your creativity. Look, you can look at it as a as a Photoshop for for hackers. Like you can see some some sort of picture for the inspiration, and then build upon of uh, upon of that inspiration or that picture. Like you have some new idea. So that's that's exactly exactly what we are trying to do in terms of the education and lowering that entry barrier uh, for the newcomers, because still there is a big shortage gap uh, in cybersecurity community. So we hope that, that the platform could, could solve at least some of those uh, newcomers to, to be like, uh, to e easily jump into the industry and, and see what, how it looks like and what could be done. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for people who are building these custom workflows, is there a like a repository of the workflows? Like, is there a way to share those or, you know, get access to essentially workflows that other people have made that might be useful for my own business? Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, like, inside of the platform, we have the library with all of the tools we integrated sort of by category, but also the predefined workflows. Those, those workflows are initially made by us, but as we are getting more and more users, more and more users are, are publishing those workflows. So basically, when you jump into the into the library, you open the workflow, you see uh, what with the description what this workflow does, and usually that's just one or two or like maximum three inputs which you need to to change in order to alter the whole workflow. So, so you just change it, execute it, and you will have your own results based on your, your own inputs. Hey there, it's Sean, host of Partially Redacted. You've probably guessed that since at this point in the interview, you probably recognize my voice. I've been told for years that I have a face for podcasting, but no one has mentioned whether I have a voice for podcasting, so sorry about that. Hopefully, the awesome guest makes up for it. Anyway, if you're enjoying this episode, please support the show by subscribing and telling your friends. You can also join the partially redacted community at skyflow.com slash community. Okay, that's enough for me. Back to the show. So what are some examples of, uh, you know, either the ready-made workflows or ones that are made by other, you know, third parties? Mm -hmm. So so how, the way how we like to build the workflows is to imagine the end result. So what kind of data uh, we want to have at the end? And of course, like what ask ourselves, like why we want that data and what does that that data means. So after that, uh, when you realize that it, you have a better understanding on on what which uh, problem you're trying to solve, and in which category that workflow is, which means what what tools could do the job. So after you are you 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 have done the initial research. You can drag and drop the the tools, which are like a small processes processes. And basically, one of the examples we have, uh, it's, and it's pretty like familiar to like non cybersecurity guys, is the insiders workflow, uh, where uh, initially you input just the company name, and it goes to LinkedIn, finds all of the LinkedIn uh, employees for a, for a specific company, uh, finds their their usernames then permutates those usernames, uh, go, goes to the code repository like a uh, platform like GitHub, then finds all of their code repositories, their, their, their files, because usually a uh, specific GitHub account is also connected to the, to the company's account. So they could ac accidentally push the data 
push the credentials uh, to the to, to those repositories. So basically, this this insider's workflow is finding all of the employees, finding all of the all of the, their code, and scanning it for the secret leakage. And at the end, the output or, of the workflow are the secrets which are accidentally pushed to the repository along with the repositories where they are found in. So that is the point where like, that could be pretty bad for a company to have a, like a production access key or secret key or anything that, that could like uh, be bad or, or ma make a breach basically uh, for a company where, where a malicious attacker could download the, the data of the users or, or the data uh, for whatever kind of uh, whatever data organization has. Yeah, that's a, that's really amazing. I mean, I think as someone who works in the security and privacy space, I feel like there's a, probably on a, a pretty regular basis one of the you know latest data breaches of the company is because essentially someone got a hold of a key that happened to get mm -hmm. committed somewhere to some mm -hmm. sort of repository, and someone just did it accidentally, didn't know it was there, and then suddenly someone has you know essentially developer level access to the source code and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that happened to Uber basically like a couple of mm -hmm. weeks ago. Yeah. So what what's the output of a workflow that when you run one of these automated workflows? So each tool ha ha have their own outputs. And additionally, like apart from the tools, we have also a different type of the nodes, which are script nodes. And they're used to manipulate the data. So not all of the tools have that direct input output. Uh, connection. Uh, some of the tools uh, you need for some of the tools you need to parse the output to be able to input to the to the second tool. So with the script nodes, you have the whole whole freedom to create whatever you you want. C currently, we are uh, supporting only Bash in terms of like programming language, but we're planning on adding like different program scripting pl programming languages like Python. So basically you can say, I want that report to be in whatever format like PDF, and then you can just input the, the, the outputs from different tools and create a script node, which will create those PDFs, YAMLs, JSONs, or whatever it, it is that you that you want to achieve. And also, for example, the output could be also the notification, for example, uh, to your Telegram, Slack, or whatever. So you can also schedule the workflow. As I mentioned, like you need to follow the evolution of a specific infrastructure of a company. So you can create a workflow which will trigger uh, whenever something is new and send, send the stuff, uh, send the, the data uh, to your Telegram or Slack channel. I see. So it's not just a matter in terms of you know taking these existing components that map to a tool and sort of combining them in some new flavor, but you can actually create essentially the custom code that's running on sort of the inputs to generate new types of outputs and maybe even connect to like a third-party system like Slack to send yeah. those results. Okay, yes. so a lot of potential customization for creating mm -hmm. like really unique workflows. Mm -hmm. So where do these sort of security workflows fit within the overall development process for a company. Is this an ongoing thing that should be, you know, continually run and tested for weaknesses and sort of where does that fit like relative to something like a, you know, CI/CD pipeline, or is this completely outside of essentially the deployment process for source code? Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, like all of those development processes 
are really complex when you when you input the security perspective in it. So companies uh, should should see and notice which kind of checks they need for a, a specific for a specific development cycle. So uh, um, basically, uh, as our initial idea was to be fully flexible. Uh, that, that the platform is fully flexible when creating the workflows, like cybersecurity engineers and the guys that are working on the uh, automation, the cybersecurity processes, should uh, see and no notice which kind of uh, development processes need additional checks. So that's the one of, one of the ways to stay ahead of the, uh, of the ha hackers. And also, the the big point is that even though you implemented some kind of autom automated security checks uh, and it, it was fine like it didn't it didn't found any kind of issues or vulnerabilities after some time the same product with the same version could have the vulnerability because somebody from the from the community found a specific vulnerability to it so you mu you must do the like uh, 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 automated uh, scans of your develop development cycle but also the production uh, environments uh, in particular. So it should be like a real time checks, like always, always attacking yourself in search of, of uh, like issues, because like the main thing and, and what you, you should do is that to find vulnerabilities be before the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Pro be proactive, essentially. So, you know, a large amount of attacks have like a human element to them. Social engineering is such you hear about this all the time. So how does you know, uh, automated workflow help prevent such attacks. Is, is it possible to actually use Trickus to also uh, essentially be proactive about preventing such attacks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have like a collection of social engineering tools used by community where you can create automations uh, which are either connect, uh, connected direct, directly to social engineering, such as finding of, of the employees and sending them like phishing emails, or indirectly, such as threat intelligence, where you can see, for example, uh, which kind of targets, uh, what, which kind of phishing targets could be used in those social engineering attacks. So that way you can, for example, be proactive, proactive and claim those domains uh, or test your uh, your employees if they are going to uh, to click on a, on a unknown links or, or pictures of cats or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. So again, it kind of goes back to like always be attacking yourself so that you're sort of staying ahead of the, the hackers and potential exploits. Yeah. So should a company still be utilizing approaches like, you know, pen testing and bug bounties in combination with Trickus? Or do you see this as a service that essentially replaces those approaches to security? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, basically, we are an automation company. So we look at ourselves as automating offensive cybersecurity processes and uh, uh, usually like bug bounty and pen testing work has a lot of manual things to do. Like you cannot automate clicking on a, on a specific complex product like in terms of features, buttons, forms and all of that stuff. But you can uh, do that, find the vulnerabilities and then automate your approach and, and find more vulnerabilities. So we are looking at ourselves uh, as, a, as a productivity tool for, for hackers where they could like, of course, do, do their manual work, but they could automate it and reproduce it for a different ty types of the target so they could become, find even, even more vulnerabilities. And how do you prevent 
you know, the potential, uh, someone who's actually like using your tool for malicious purposes versus doing it under essentially like, um, uh, under agreement with a company, you know, mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, this helps sort of the white collar person, but you know, it could also help somebody who's actually doing this with sort of malintent. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the re- reasons why the platform is currently invite only because we are working on those processes especially legal legal processes to follow all of the procedures on what is happening if somebody misbehaves on the platform and do do the the malicious work but from the current experience based on the current users they are pretty ethical in terms of those responsible disclosure that they're not attacking like the infrastructures too much and that they are not targeting uh, somebody they, they they shouldn't do uh, late in later stages like, like when 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 we will have like the public release and everybody could sign up and we will have that know your customers so th- this will have additional kind of mechanisms for the, for the validation and of course like uh, as they are hackers like we could not prevent everything but uh, it's a, it's our responsibility to have all of the data in, in the case something something bad happens inside of the platform and inside of the execution and additionally uh even later we we, we will probably have some kind of uh you, that you can execute the workflows on your own infrastructure as a, as a bug bounty hunter so basically that that will derive our responsibility to the to the user who is executing the workflow because that will be his own infrastructure I see. Yeah. And then I guess, like, what are your thoughts on the future security in the space? Are, do you think we're getting better at protecting and locking down systems? Or is this something that we're always trying to sort of play catch up to? And we're actually maybe in a, better, a worse position today than we were five years ago? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. So the, the, I think that the future of security lies in people. And uh, my hope is the, uh, that in, by encouraging people to learn and dive deeper into security and uh, by abstracting the current approach and the, the current methodology, the, that learning curve inside of the industry will be much lower for, for newcomers, which will mean more people will come to uh, engage in cybersecurity and, le- and learn, which will, ca- which will ultimately uh, make companies more secure. Uh, as I mentioned previously, there is a big shortage of cybersecurity uh, professionals. So I think that we should not like uh, like focus on protecting and locking the system, but more on the education and like that kind of offensive cybersecurity approach and making like everyone uh, knows what it is about. And one one of the things we are always uh, we always love to say inside our companies who will guard the guards. So you have like a you have a company and you 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 add a product for that is locking down your system or protecting your system and that product could also have the vulnerability. So that is why the uh, our main point is that attacking uh, perspective of offensive cybersecurity. Yeah, I think you made a really good point about the, you know, the education component. This is something that we spoke about in the, on the podcast in the past. Like, I think that there has been, you know, there's a lack of essentially education about security, about privacy for people so, sort of entering the tech industry, whether that's from, you know, formal education like, like I, I had or even just industry-based education. It's something that's kind of just, you know, taken for granted and not enough people have the base level knowledge of what are the things I should be at least kind of like conscious of when I'm designing and building systems so that I'm not just leaving the door like wide open to a potential attack. Yeah, exactly. 
So what's next for, for Turkus? Like what, what, is there anything sort of on the f- future roadmap that you can share? You mentioned uh, eventually sort of opening this up to uh, you know, the public and, and not necessarily being invited in only, but are there other sort of technologies and, and things that you're investing in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are inviting more and more people, people and we, we have that plan for, uh, for the public release. Uh, where everybody could could use the platform and unleash their creativity. And what we're developing for quite a while is the new end, new execution engine, uh, which has the goal to make the execution of those tools seamless and and a lot faster. So we think it will be really great and shorten that time to value for our users, where they could just execute and immediately the tools will be will be running and you will get the the outputs uh, pretty fast. So that is. That are the big things we are working on, and also we are trying to uh, every day basically to, to abstract more the editor to make it more uh, easy to use. And we are w- working a lot on that UX of the platform to make it like uh, as much user friendly for a very complex kind of industry and, and, and problems we are trying to solve. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a really sound sort of you know product and business strategy is abstraction of of friction and complexity and really sort of lowering the barrier to entry and like democratizing different systems and there's plenty and plenty of examples of people who've been very wildly successful with that kind of approach like even looking at like the payment system and like what stripe's mm-hmm. done to make yeah. something like accepting online payments just like now every engineer just kind of takes that for granted it's like oh yeah i hit a rest api through an sdk and it's like really easy but you yeah. know go back 20 years and <laughs> it was a lot more complicated to do that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. Like today, we, you could integrate like that kind of products in like matter of week, uh, mm-hmm. and like a couple of years ago, it will take like months, maybe even years, uh, if you're speaking about like ten years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- anything else you'd like to share? Nothing else. Like uh, you, you covered like a lot mm-hmm. of like, and you ha- ha- had a lot of good questions. So I think we we covered uh, everything. Uh, here so thank you for having me awesome yeah no, no thanks so much for coming on the show you know i think you know my hacking days really began and ended in high school <laughs> but it's it's always been a fascinating topic to me and something i think a lot of people will enjoy learning about thanks again and, and cheers thanks for coming on thank you